This is LJN Radio, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder. My name is Tim Muma. In this episode, we're talking about a concept known as flow and how this can play a role in quality leadership. On the show, to give us some more detail and examples, we have Croft Edwards joining us. Croft is a recognized leadership flow expert and coach, as well as the founder of Croft and Company. Thanks for joining me today, Croft. Great to be here, Tim. When we have a topic like this, anytime we're discussing ideas of leadership or really anything in the business world, we tend to find terms that we would like our guests to define because, of course, everyone has their own description of, say, leadership. So in this case, for yourself, based on your experience, how do you personally define leadership? Stepping back just a little bit, large part of my training is in a field called ontology, which looks at what we define as being human. So we look at leadership maybe a little bit different than a lot of people, but we define leadership as the authority granted to an individual by their followers. Mm. So to be a leader, I have to have followers who grant me the authority to take actions which they follow compared to our definition of management, which is management is the authority granted to an individual by the organization. In a role, for instance, and in the organization can be a family, it can be a business, it can be a a church, I have certain authority granted to me in my role. As a father, I get to do certain things. But leadership can only be granted to an individual by the followers. And that's a really big distinction for me because that, that really determines what is possible because I want to make sure that I can't force leadership on somebody. Right. Only they can say, yes, you, I grant you the authority to lead me. And I definitely appreciate the separation there of management versus leadership. That's something we talk about in our organization quite a bit. And I think that is a, a very interesting way to define leadership. And I agree with you. It's a little unique, but we like hearing that. We want to hear those different perspectives. That's why we have good. individuals like you on the show. On the other side of it, another area that you obviously are an expert in is the idea of flow. I was curious, what exactly is flow and where did this concept come from? Yeah, so the study of flow has actually been around, really started, studies were in the late 1800s. Okay. It was the ultimate human performance. And kind of the current definition is the optimal state of consciousness where we feel our best and we perform our best. So. Mm-hmm. The term flow really comes from a guy that's considered the grandfather of flow studies, University of Chicago researcher by the name of Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, and it's one of those names that you'll have to uh, Google to even try to spell. Sure. But Csikszentmihalyi fundamentally was doing a study of happiness, and he was looking for what is happiness and, and how do we define happiness. And through this study, what he found was that the term flow state kept emerging. And people talked about they found this happiness when they were in flow. Mm -hmm. It's really started to take on a different, not necessarily different feel, but a powerful feel. There's two gentlemen uh, by the name of Stephen Kotler and Jamie Wheel who, who founded the Flow Genome Project. And what they're really looking at is Kotler just released a book about a year ago called The Rise of Superman. And the premise being, if you look at the last 30 years, especially in extreme athletes, we have seen the abilities, the human abilities pushed to a limit that was was really unheard of. So as an example, Kotler talks about 20 years ago, the highest wave surfers were regularly riding was about 20 to 30 feet. Mm -hmm. Now, 20 years later, they're riding these 100-foot waves. 
So we're as technology comes into play and the study of neuroscience comes into play, we're really starting to get a grasp of this thing called flow, which is that state, you know, we've heard of it being in the zone, sure. runner's high, being unconscious. It's that state where all of a sudden I'm so into something, it's almost effortless. My creativity is through the roof. My skills are through the roof. And I'm able to take my performance to a level that I hadn't been at before. So how then does that play into leadership? Because when you're talking about flow, as you mentioned, I, I think of an athlete or I think of somebody who's actually engaged in something possibly on their own, maybe with a team. But where does it come into play when you're talking about leadership as well? For me, I, I've been studying leadership since I was a young kid. And I've always been interested, why were certain leaders effective, others not? Right. And so I also realize now looking back, I also was a little bit of a flow addict. <laughs> and I was one of those people that I always did things kind of to the extreme. Uh, I'm a marathoner. I do a lot of woodworking. And so when I really started to understand the concept of flow and looked at it from a leadership perspective, the question that showed up for me was, and really the search is, how is it or how could we as leaders create flow in our teams, our individuals, our organizations, so that when the person shows up, they're engaged, they're having fun, they're focused, their mm -hmm. clarity, their creativity is through the roof. So that's really the concept of leadership flow is how do you, as a leader, have the conversations necessary to create flow in the organization so that the organization is people completely engaged, having fun, bringing all of that powerful flow energy to play on the challenges that the organization faces. Another part that was interesting to me and I was curious of was you also have military experience. And of course, the leadership that's involved, I don't think can be overstated. How does that play a role in your understanding, your perspective on leadership based on the experiences you had there? I actually still am in the Army Reserve. And so I've been doing it for about 22 years. And okay. I started off on active duty. And it was the study of leadership that really interests me. And I love the Army. I still do. It's a, it's a great institution. I've learned a lot about leadership, but I knew for me that I wanted to study leadership. And so in mm -hmm. one respect that I learned about flow was I realized my passion wasn't to spend the, a career in the army. And so I started following my passion and sure. that's where part of this understanding of flow came. But what I did find though, the military is a great place to find flow because you do get a lot of people that it's an environment where you can push boundaries. And so there are people that are in the military that, you know, paratroopers, rangers, special forces, a lot of those types of people, part of why they love what they do is the pushing of the boundaries, the taking of themselves to a level that they've never been at before. Yeah, I think that's a great comparison and what you were talking about earlier as well, as far as that extreme side of it. I think people can definitely understand that. And I wanted to get into some details in regards to the idea of flow and leadership, try to get some of the nitty gritty as much as we can with the time we have. Uh, the first thing, uh, you know, we hear and see a lot of different opinions when it comes to goals and planning. Um, some people like them more than others. They have different strategies when it comes to them. What philosophy do leaders who are in the flow, what do they take with goals in terms of their ideas, their philosophy? Well, I want to I want to clarify that a little bit. So when you think about it, there, there is an aspect of flow called group flow. Okay. Group flow is when literally the group is in flow. And you'll see it uh, high-performing teams, mm -hmm. that kind of piece. Well, so if we take it back to goal setting, it's imperative to create flow that 
the individuals on the team or part of the organization have an ownership or a say in the goal. Okay. Probably most people have been in a situation where someone gives you their goals sure. or your goals. And if I don't have a say in them and I don't have the passion or the energy around them, it is very unlikely that I will find flow, that I will find that energy, that creativity, that higher performance because it's not my goal. So when we talk about goal setting from a leadership flow perspective, one of the things that has to be a part of the conversation is, are we committed to this goal? And if we're not, that has to be the conversation that we have to start exploring because we can't force flow on somebody. And if I'm in flow, but the goal I'm pursuing does not instill flow in you, we're not going to have flow between us. So it's really something that it goes back to having the conversation Mm -hmm. over what are people committed to and is there a care and a commitment for seeking this goal? So it's really not necessarily just about the leader in that case. As you say, everybody has to have their own personal stake in it to be able to work together to those goals that you're talking about. Yeah. And so and so for me, leadership flow is a lessening of my goals mm. in the sense that as a leader, I can't just come in and say, okay, we're going to be top 10% in this and I'm going to just run us to the till we get there. Right. That will maybe produce results, but it likely won't produce flow. Mm. So flow then comes out of conversations. So as a group, if we want to create flow, we have to have a conversation as a group of what are we committed to and where can this conversation go to create that flow. So yeah, it's not about me saying, I want flow, I'm going to get it for you, and you have to do this. That will actually be counterproductive to uh, producing leadership flow. It's the ability to say, what could we create? And what would it take for you to buy in or what would motivate you to provide you with a situation where you feel that flow? Somewhat on the flip side of it, obviously with goals and planning, you are often talking about the future. Uh, You know, I read obviously some things um, that you've had out there regarding flow and the idea, of course, that as you mentioned, you sort of are in that zone. So it's really being in the present. What would you say are some areas that can demonstrate the idea of being in the present and being in that flow? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question because if you think about it, most of us, as a side note, we've all probably experienced flow. Sure. It's that time when we're so involved in something that time kind of slips away and we just lose ourselves in the task. Well, I can't do that in the future. <laughs> so I need to be right here, right now. Right. And an example is, say you're a writer and you have the time to sit down and you've got three hours of uninter- uninterrupted time and you've got a, a juicy morsel that you're writing about. Well, that's going to be conducive to flow. So to create flow, it's a state that individuals and organizations enter in and out of. It's not a constant thing. We can't be in flow all the time mm-hmm. because neurologically and physiologically, what we're finding is that the body just can't do that. We can't be at peak performance all the time. Sure. So we have to learn how to just be in the present. And in the present, well, being in the present is a embodied phenomenon. It, meaning I can be in the present in my body, just here, breathing, present, but I also could be somewhere else. So if I want to create flow, I need to be here. I can't have my mind somewhere else. I can't be focused so far in the future that I'm not here. Right. So it's very critical to create flow that somebody be in the present. And do you have any strategies or tips for people? Because I'm sure you know, you see it. There's just so much going on nowadays. And the idea of multitasking and you have these distractions, 
Is there a way to help people really be in the moment and be present when they are working on something? Yeah, those are great questions because the other side of how I've kind of studied leadership is, again, the ontological piece, which right. we look at many things, but fundamentally we look at the body, moods and emotions, language, right? And so how do we bring all of those things together to be congruent? So a way to be in the moment is to start new practices. And new practices, one of the best thing that is really starting to show up in, in current literature and research is mindfulness, right. which is being present. So to be present, the practices are in my body. It can be stuff like learning to breathe, taking slow, deep breaths, being aware of where I'm at, looking at the moods and emotions I'm in, because moods and emotions are created in the body based on assessments I have. This should be this way or this should be that way. Whereas when I'm in present and centered, I'm in choice and I can accept what is and I just accept, okay, can't control that right now. What can I control? And what I can control right now is how I'm showing up. Am I present? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Another part to this that stood out to me was the idea of immediate feedback. Uh, again, when you're talking about the present side of things, why is immediate feedback so important when you're talking about flow? The obvious is imagine playing a game whether it be golf or tennis or a video game, but not being able to know how well you hit the ball till three, four, five, ten seconds later. Mm -hmm. So the immediate feedback comes in the importance is because now I can adjust. And so from a leadership perspective, where it becomes very critical is the ability to, for instance, empathetically be aware of how is this person receiving the feedback I'm giving them. And now I see that, you know what, what I'm saying right now may be triggering them, causing them to shut down and not listen. Sure. So that immediate feedback allows me to say, okay, maybe I need to slow down. Maybe I need to open up a different conversation. So the immediate feedback allows somebody, the more competent they are at a skill, to adjust their behaviors appropriately to get the higher performance. That was very well put, I have to say. I think the listeners can take a lot just from that brief explanation you have there. I think people can appreciate that idea of that immediate feedback. We're getting a little low on time here. I wanted to get to a couple more things quickly. The idea of ego, of course, comes up when you're talking about leaders, the impact it can have, often negative, of course. How does flow, I guess, take ego into account? And maybe what are some ways that people can let go of their ego a little bit? And I think you alluded to some of that when you're talking about the goals, but just, I guess, a general idea of ego and leadership and how flow can help with that. Yeah, real quick to, to make a discernment. What I'm hearing is maybe two different types of ego. We have sure. the, in flow, the definition of ego is just the awareness of oneself. Okay. But I think a lot of times in business, we have, you know, somebody has a big ego. Right. And that's a self-importance. In flow, to me, the, just the awareness of self is the critical distinction. Am okay. I aware of what's happening right now? And it, to find flow, I lose that. So I'm so in the conversation that I'm not aware oh, okay. of how that I'm in the conversation, but rather I'm enjoying the conversation. Whereas the one negative aspect of ego that maybe we talk about is it's all about me. And so if it's all about me, there's not going to likely be very effective conversations mm -hmm. because they're going to be very centered on my needs 
as opposed to the other person. So if we're just losing the awareness of ourself and we're, for instance, listening to another person so well that we truly understand their story, that is where flow comes from. Croft, again, I think you've given us some great perspective with some of these ideas, um, really a change in people's thinking, possibly with some of the things that they might come across every day. I wanted to give you the floor. What final pieces of advice would you give to listeners to help them get into that, again, this idea of flow, especially for talking about leaders in their organizations or whatever situation they might be in? Yeah, I, I think there's a, a couple things that I would like to leave people with. The first, which I firmly believe is having studied leadership for 30 years is the most difficult person you'll ever have to lead is yourself. And so using yourself as a guideline, the more you can access flow for you, the more you can access flow for others to bring out their great greatness. And the way you do that is through practice. From my perspective, one of the best places to practice is the body. And so disciplines, whether it be a keto, Tai Chi, yoga, meditation, but learning how to embody flow, how to practice it, how to create it, that is where you will help create it in other people. But the challenge is going to be yourself. How do I show up? Do I do the practices that I need to be committed to? Croft, again, some very interesting items that you brought to us today. Uh, We appreciate the different perspective that we can get from our guests. So thank you for coming on and sharing with us. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. That will do it for us here on Moving Up the Ladder. Again, a thank you to Croft Edwards, the founder of Croft & Company, and a recognized leadership flow expert and coach as we've been talking about that concept of flow and how it equates to quality leadership. If you're interested in getting in touch with us about this episode or any of our shows on LGN Radio, shoot us an email, ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or hit us up on Twitter at the LJN, and you can find all of our shows on ljnradio.com or on iTunes. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.